only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The National Weather Service has issued a severe thunderstorm warning. Welcome. To the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast, where prepping doesn't have to be complicated or expensive. Coming to you from a well-defended off-grid compound high in the mountains. Coming to you from his Florida room in Richmond, Virginia. Neither off-grid nor well-defended, unless you count as chickens and cats, here is your host, Keith. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. My name is Keith. And this is episode 26. Today is December 5th, 2022. And I have a lot to get to tonight. Not sure if I will get to all of it, but we will do the best we can. An article out of the Netherlands. 3,000 Dutch farmers could potentially have their farms taken away by the government. Now, the government says... They're going to provide a fair price for the land. And if the farmers don't relinquish the land and sell the land, the government's going to take it from them anyway. Now, the reason they're doing this is to help the Netherlands comply with an EU mandate for the reduction of nitrogen pollution from these farms. Now, fertilizer... Uh, is mostly made up of nitrogen, but so is the poop of poultry and pigs and other farm animals. It gives off nitrogen and uh, phosphates, phosphorus. I can certainly testify to the fact that if I don't clean out my cat's litter box on a consistent basis, there is a very strong ammonia or phosphorus smell coming from their litter box. Okay, I have an issue with a couple things. First, it's an EU mandate. Now, not to get too deep in the weeds, and I understand there's a whole bunch of countries that are part of the EU, and they're all very good neighbors. They all live very close to each other. But it's kind of what we call here in the States an HOA, like the Homeowners Association. So you have this neighborhood for people who are not familiar with HOAs. So you have a neighborhood, different homes, different families, All different types of people live in this neighborhood. But to live in this neighborhood, you have to sign a piece of paper, a covenant, I guess it's called, that your roof can only be a certain color. You cannot uh, have planters outside. There's all sorts of things. Your Christmas decorations have to be taken down by the 5th of January. That's kind of like how I see the EU. Each of these countries are certainly unique. And I understand the willingness to band together. However, let's be serious, folks. The phosphorus and the nitrogen that cow poop and pig poop is giving off, taking those 3,000 farms. I'm not sure what the government's going to do with that land. Dollars to donuts are going to put up a bunch of high-rises and make a bajillion dollars. So we'll get on the subject of climate change really, really quickly, and and I'll leave this alone, I promise. China and India are the two largest offenders for polluting the atmosphere and causing global warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it. Those are the two biggest culprits. China is not going to, under any circumstances, 
go from their coal fire electric plants, which they, they build one of those about every other day. They're not going to go from coal fire to nuclear. India is kind of the same way. India actually has uh, nuclear reactors, but because India has such a strong economy as far as outsourcing jobs around the world into India, they've got a little bit of a, I guess, a bargaining chip. So India is very hesitant to go along with other requests, and China just isn't going to go along with their requests at all. So these poor farmers potentially are going to lose their farms, lose their livelihood, lose their way of life. And they're farmers. They're farmers for a reason. People that are farmers want to be farmers. Some guy just doesn't wake up. You know, he lives in a city. He's 25 years old. I think I'll be a farmer. Many, many farms, especially here in the United States, are passed down from generation to generation. It's it's what you do. The farmers have been protesting. If you've been watching the news, they're taking their big tractors. They're driving around the towns. They're snarling traffic, spraying, um, I call it silage, uh, liquefied liquefied poop fertilizer. They're dropping that all over the roads and outside government buildings and that sort of thing. The Netherlands is also the second largest farm exporter. Obviously flowers, we get that, flowers, tulips. But eggs, meat, and vegetables. I had no idea they were the second largest farm exporter of these particular items. What could possibly go wrong if you remove 3,000 farms at a snap of a finger from being able to export their products. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the, the, the price of those objects, of those items that are now no longer available, maybe the price will go up. Anyway, there's a lot of dirty dealing. There's a lot of underhandedness. There's a lot of chicanery, a lot of shenanigans, if you will, going on here. I trust the government of any country about as far as I can throw them. But that is a different podcast for a different day. So I certainly some I certainly hope somebody steps in, voice of reason comes forward, and does not take away the land that these farmers are for a very good cause. It's not like they're doing nothing with it. They're providing food for their country, as well as I'm sure a lot of it's being exported. I'm not really sure how that is a bad thing. Speaking of China. They're up to their old tricks again. In a particular city, they have built this large concentration camp. It's these huge white buildings, and basically they're they're like they're like pods, very nondescript. These big concrete slabs, these prefabricated buildings that they just slap together, and they divide them up and they make them into pods. The people that are going to go here is all part of that zero COVID policy where they're trying to stop the spread. They're literally trying to go, you know, a day, a week, a month with zero new cases of COVID. I saw a video where some workers were actually welding bars to the doors, to the exit doors of these apartment buildings, these high-rise apartment buildings. These people are stuck. No in and no out. You don't go to work. You don't go to the store. Every day, Chinese citizens will stand in line for hours to get their daily COVID test. As long as they test negative, the app on their smartphone has a green QR code. They're allowed to travel, go to stores, and act like normal people. If they are positive, their QR code is red. 
They cannot get on public transportation. They cannot go to the store and they cannot work. So if your test is positive and your QR code obviously goes red, there's a very good chance a van is going to pull up to your house in the middle of the night and a bunch of guys in Tyvek suits and respirators and big sticks are going to come into your house and drag you off to one of these 90,000 pods where I guess you're going to stay until they decide to let you out. So great things happening in China. Over the weekend, several substations, electrical substations in the state of North Carolina were shot at and taken offline. Now it is cold. I'm in Virginia, just as cold in North Carolina. So over the weekend, 40,000 people were without power. Someone taking pot shots at these substations, you know, a well-placed bullet. It's going to take down a large section of the grid that this substation, these substations happen to supply. However, if you look online, this is not the end of the world. This is not some terrorist act in the true sense of the word. But I guess by definition, that is an act of terrorism. This isn't some, you know, foreign country, a bunch of, you know, state agents coming in trying to take down our power grid. This is a, probably a couple knuckleheads targeting the transformers at the substation and knocking the power out. So a lot of people read articles, watched some videos of people that are, that are the doom scrollers are trying to make hay out of this to make it really much more than it is, in my opinion. Here in Virginia, that happened several years ago. It got to the point where the Dominion, uh, the Dominion Power Company actually placed sensors around some of these substations. Now, these sensors are in, in a lot of major cities, you know, Baltimore, Chicago, and several of the cities, Houston, Texas, I believe, has have these. And basically what it does is as soon as the gunshot is, I guess, picked up by the sensor, it'll be picked up just like milliseconds later from the other sensor a few blocks away. And with two or three, well, with three or four of these sensors, they're able to triangulate in real time the location, give or take, of where this firearm was discharged. That information is relayed to law enforcement in real time. They may not catch the person, but it's a heck of a lot more accurate than somebody calling 911 and saying there's somebody shooting outside. If you've ever heard a gunshot, not even in a very heavily populated area, even just a small neighborhood, it's very difficult to, you know, with, with any assurity, uh, determine exactly where the gunshot is coming from. You know, it's the sound is bouncing off houses, uh, all sorts of objects, cars, so it's very difficult to find out where this is coming from. But I don't think this is, I don't think this is the start of, you know, some major calamity where substations all around the world are going to start being taken offline by people with rifles. Let's talk about critical thinking. That was, a seg that was a pretty good segue, right? From shooting at substations to, to critical thinking. The other day I was thinking about the mindset of a prepper or the mindset of people that prep or have long-term food storage. And I was, I was wondering if there are, I guess, common behaviors or common traits among people, among preppers. And I found several, and I was reading this article, it was, it was kind of funny. I read, you know, it was like 10 different things that you might be a prepper if, and probably six or seven, seven of them applied directly to me. But first I want to talk about critical thinking. 
And here's the definition of critical thinking. Critical thinking is a kind of thinking in which you question, analyze, interpret, evaluate, and make a judgment about what you read, heard, what you say, or what you write. Applying critical thinking does not mean being negative or focusing on faults. It means being able to clarify your thinking so you can break down a problem or a piece of information, interpret it, and use that interpretation to make an informed decision or judgment. And along with critical thinking, I guess goes tactical thinking, and that's having, having the end result and then the process that you go about getting your way, maneuvering, maneuvering your way to that, to that end result. So I was going through this article, reading a few other things. They talked about situational awareness, which is something I covered several podcasts ago. Another paragraph on trusting your gut, which I think I covered in the same podcast as situational awareness. And for those who have not uh, seen that or listened to that podcast before, actually, you listen to podcasts, you don't see them. People who have uh, not listened to that podcast before, that is something I am a firm believer in. You know, it's kind of like the, when the hairs in the neck, at the back of your neck stand up, something just seems a little off. If something seems a little off, it's probably off. There is no shame if you're walking down the street late at night, you're a young lady, you're a young man, and one person, two people, a small group of people are walking towards you and you just get a bad vibe of this group, there is no shame. There is nothing wrong for you to step off the curb and walk to the other side of the street. I would much rather walk to the other side of the street 250 times and nothing happen than take that chance that one time, ignore my gut and walk up to that group or near that group and something bad happens to me. I'm not going to feel guilty about going to the other side of the street, but when my gut tells me something's off, I listen to it. If you were in a parking lot late at night, let's say you're leaving the store, leaving the mall. If I haven't been to a mall in years and I'd rather stay away from malls, they're way too busy, way too noisy. But late at night, you leave work. Would you walk to your car Pretty much when you walk anywhere, especially in public, you need to walk with a purpose. Now, what I mean by that is that doesn't mean you're running. That doesn't mean you're like your your head's on a swivel, you know, seeing if somebody's following you. But would you walk with a purpose if somebody is off to the side in the shadows, you know, they're looking for a target. They're looking for a, a target of opportunity. When a bad guy sees somebody walk with a purpose, and not walk like they're timid or walk like they're scared, they're more than likely going to leave you alone. Because what they see is someone who is confident, how they carry themselves. And if they carry themselves, then there's a good chance that they're going to resist, they're going to fight back, and possibly win the encounter. When you walk up to your car late at night in that parking lot when it's dark, have your keys ready. Don't go fumbling in your pocket for your keys because you're looking down, you're distracted. If you're a female, don't go into your purse digging around because if somebody is walking up to you, they know that you're in a point of vulnerability and that's when something bad could happen. They could grab you or they could assault you. So walk with a purpose, have your keys ready, get into your car as quickly as you can and lock the doors. If by chance the person then comes up to the car, They're not going to be able to get in. 
you honk your horn, you start the car, and you get the heck out of there. Speaking of cars, if you pull up to a traffic light and it is red, do not get right up to the bumper of the car in front of you. Always leave about a car length's distance or three quarters of a car length's car links distance. I'm not even sure if I said that correctly. <laughs> when you pull up to a car at a traffic light, don't pull right up to their bumper. Leave a car length of distance or three quarters of a car length of distance between you and the car in front of you. If something was to happen, if somebody was to get out of another car, somebody was would, you know, chasing somebody, road rage, somebody gets out with a gun, with a baseball bat, and they're going after somebody else, you don't want to get caught in the crossfire. You are going to leave. The same thing if you're at that stoplight and a fire truck or law enforcement are coming up behind you running lights and siren. With the distance between, you have the ability of getting out of the way. What happens if the car in front of you suddenly stalls or just dies? You're right there to their bumper. You don't have the ability to maneuver. It's going to be difficult to back up. You cannot turn your wheels left or right you know, to, to get out of there and go about your day. So just leave a little bit of distance between, between you, you know, and, and the car in front of you. I know I said earlier about trusting the government and that sort of thing. I'll only speak for myself and other people that are in the prepping community. Most people in the prepping community are very independent. And here in the United States, they really cling, you know, to their God-given rights that are afforded to them, you know, in the Bill of Rights and in the Constitution. Most people in the United States get a little upset when they feel as though the government is starting to infringe upon their rights. Certainly the First Amendment, certainly the Second Amendment. Here's the deal with Twitter. Six months ago, Twitter was a very left-leaning social media company. Now, you've probably heard in the last few days that Elon Musk has released a lot of internal communications, that there was um, suppression of certain news stories, that sort of thing. Not going to get into the politics of that. However, when folks on the right began complaining about Twitter and it leaning to the left and not really providing a fair and balanced discourse, public discourse, they, they call Twitter like the world's town hall or something like that, where everybody can get in there and talk about all their different ideas. Many people on the right were upset that, that Twitter was basically pushing a lot of the agenda from the left. Well, once Elon Musk bought Twitter, he basically just opened it up. There is going to be some content moderation, but certainly not to the extent that it was prior to his purchase. The tides have, have, have switched a little bit. Well, actually, they've switched a lot. Now what you're hearing from folks leaning to the left is they're upset that Elon Musk is allowing this discourse. The folks on the right welcome this discourse. So now Basically, up until about a month ago, Elon Musk was the was the darling of the left. Tesla, you know, global warming, climate change, cars with batteries, no emissions, uh, Starlink, internet to all parts of the world. You know, Antarctica, you can get you know internet. Uh, parts of Africa, the people can now have internet. Normally, they would not be able to have it. So he is certainly a philanthropist, certainly someone who has done a lot for the world. 
but now he's being vilified from the left because he's allowing more free and open speech. So just a little hypocritical, in my opinion. And the reason I bring that up, trust of government and the Bill of Rights and that sort of thing, First Amendment, Second Amendment, I think this all ties into the current state of the world. And if everything was hunky-dory, if inflation was non-existent, if the price of gas was a dollar or two a gallon, if the economy was just roaring away and you know there, there was plenty of jobs for everybody, I don't think folks in the prepping community would be as nervous as they are now. So it's kind of like when things are good, things are really good, but when things start to turn bad, they really, they really, really get bad, or at least that's my opinion. And I know I've been preaching not to talk about politics. However, there is that intersection between current events and politics, and more and more, those lines are starting to become blurred. And it's almost, it's almost like when something happens politically in the world, your first reaction is, how is that going to affect me? How is that going to affect my family? How is that going to affect my ability to provide for my family? You have the war in Russia and Ukraine. So immediately, we're like, was well, that going to spread here? Is it going to go kinetic? Is it going to go nuclear? Is there a chance that it will certainly end up on my front door? You know, folks in Europe, folks in the EU certainly have a, a little little more to fear, actually much more to fear than the folks here in the United States. In addition to the war itself, um, it is winter, it is cold, and fuel oil is certainly in short supply, and that could lead to significant hardships for a lot of different folks. So again, it's, it's becoming more and more, the lines are becoming more and more blurred when you, when you hear of something a significant in the world and you worry about how it's going to affect you or your family personally. Well, aren't I just a ray of sunshine this week? <laughs> I just had a few topics. Uh, I only covered about half of what I really wanted to talk about before I forget. I have saved $145 in the last three weeks by taking my lunch, making my little sandwiches first thing in the morning, little ham and cheese, turkey and cheese, grab a little bag of chips. I have saved $145 by not either purchasing food uh, from the little cafeteria, the little kiosks at work, or running down the street and grabbing burger and fries, or the Mexican restaurant, although I do love their fajitas. Their chicken fajitas are fantastic. I think maybe every other Friday I'll splurge and take myself out to lunch, but I'm pretty proud of myself. $145, that's not you know exactly you know, a truck full of money, but that's $145, you know, that I didn't have three or four weeks ago. As far as prepping, the freeze dryer, I'm giving the freeze dryer a break for now. I haven't done any, any more eggs, although I'm, in the next couple of days, I'm going to have to scramble some eggs and get those, uh, and get those freeze dried and packaged up. So I wanted to get into canning. I was going to can some carrots, start out small. And so I purchased a instant pot pressure canning crock pot cooker thing, whatever, whatever Instant Pot calls them. I thought I got the right model until I believe it was yesterday. I was going to can some carrots and realize that I have the wrong model. The one I have, you are not able to can. It's just its regular old slow cooker pressure cooker and it only has 12 PSI. And I guess to pressure can, it needs to be uh, 15 PSI. So that one's going back. Basically, I just 
boiled water in it so I can I can able to package that back up box that back up and and send that back the new one is on the way so hopefully I have the right one and I'll be able to do some canning I think that is all that I have I have a few other things I want to talk about but it would it would take me well well past the you know 22 24 minutes that I like to try to keep these podcasts down oh oh before I forget the FEMA the FEMA app. Uh, I downloaded that a few weeks ago and I am really surprised. I think I mentioned before that is a great looking app. I don't watch much TV, but I actually ran across a FEMA commercial that they were uh, promoting their app and the commercial was actually well made. It actually made sense. Uh, it, was, it was very concise. It was like one of those 15 minute or 15 minute, 15 second PSAs. Uh, it was very, very good. So if you get a chance, if you're here in the United States, go ahead and, and go to the FEMA website, or I guess the App Store, and get the FEMA app. One more thing, I promise this is it, then I'll let everybody get back to their regularly scheduled program. I read an article that some of the countries, I think it's, I think it's Norway, Norway or Sweden, that prepping has become very, very popular in those countries. Now, primarily, uh, it's... it's uh, proximity to Russia that, that I guess that would make a, a few people nervous and looking at the analytics we have some folks up in that part of the world up in the Scandinavian countries that do listen to the podcast so hello to my listeners in those countries I appreciate it and I was it was it was kind of nice to uh, to get that little tidbit that it's really uh, becoming more and more of a serious hobby i guess up there i don't know if it's, I don't know, it's prepping a hobby i don't think it's a hobby it's not like building model airplanes but you're actually actually putting forth the effort and the money to actually set something aside so in the event it's needed it's there so building a model airplane i don't think is going to help you when the lights go out but hey who knows okay folks remember you can catch me on the twitter at the common sense practical prepper podcast and the official handle is prep prepper prep underscore podcast something like that just just search common sense practical prepper podcast that's that's a whole lot easier all right folks that's it for this week unless something really nutty happens i will see everybody probably next monday or tuesday and as always please be safe out there and please take care of one another And until next time. Thanks for listening to the Common Sense Practical Prepper Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, help spread the word by leaving a rating and review. 